Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. Uh, swap out uh, your Bibles, uh, your hymnals for your Bibles. We are going to have our Bible reading before Pastor Bob comes up and does part two of the pursuit of wisdom. So we're in Proverbs chapter two, um, same passage as last week. I'll be reading verses one through nine. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity, and every good path. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. All right, so we have been considering and um, studying the book of Proverbs, and again, as I stated way back in the beginning when we started it, that it's kind of fun or good for us that the beginning part of the book is really um, one that we can exposit verse by verse by verse, but we're getting close now, two weeks away from getting to the pearls of wisdom in which we're going to really be more of a topical study where we're going to be kind of flowing through the book, looking at subject by subject. But we're going to spend this week looking the second time, the second part of the pursuit of wisdom. Next week, we'll, this kind of message continues on, if you would, almost into the path of wisdom as we continue on in, through chapter 2, um, and then looking at some other passages as well. But then we'll be looking at the, the pearls of wisdom after that. And so... Um, at that point, there's going to be the Bible readings are going to be kind of interesting from that perspective. We may just choose a, uh, a chapter of Proverbs and just read it, you know, because it's going to be like we're going to be in chapter 10, then we're going to be in chapter 12, we're going to be, cha- you know, so whatever. So, so as we've considered then the book of Proverbs, we saw in chapter 1 that verse 7 really has the, the precept that overrides the entire book involvement, and that is the fear of Yahweh. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning, beginning of knowledge. And then from that precept, the principle um, that is above it and below it is derived. And that is that the wise will seek or desire wisdom and understanding, but fools will despise it. So it really, the fear of Yahweh brings, brings knowledge, is the beginning of knowledge, is really, it's, it, it is the, that point on the fulcrum where you've got to decide how you're going to play out on it. In the fear of, again, the fear of Yahweh, the fear of God is not a popular subject in the New Testament church. And yet, Paul, the preacher of grace again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, says, therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, the fear of God, I persuade men. So even the preacher of grace preached the grace based upon the fact that he understood the fear of Yahweh. 
And we'll see that again as we come this morning um, in further into this passage. And so, last week we began looking at the pursuit of wisdom, coming here from these first nine uh, verses of chapter 2. And I begin by looking quickly at the, the latter part, um, and then we looked at the earlier part, because this passage is broken out beautifully into its own outline, okay? And it is an if-then statement, so it's a conditional, and it works out real well. You've got your, your requisites in the beginning, and there are four requisites up top. Do I have that there? I do. The four re- requisites up top, they are the, the ifs. If you do these things, then you will have this. And then within the then, the results, we're given the reason why those results will actually happen. It's pretty simple. I mean, there's not a whole lot of an outline I've got to make up. Does that make sense? God gave me the outline. All we're going to do is talk about the outline. So last week, we looked at those requisites. We saw the fact that if we would receive God's word and treasure his commands, okay? And so if you remember the word treasure was that the that it was something that was so valuable that you're going to hide it, okay? So it can mean to hide something, but it literally, it means to treasure it, to value it so much that you're going to kind of put it away. And so we didn't use the illustration last week, but I'm more thinking about, like, a lot of times we have a safety deposit box, or you, you have a safe, you know, and you put it in the, you know, kind of, like here, we know this isn't a safe, right? This is the, uh, the electrical panel, right? But... You don't leave the electrical panel just sitting out, right? So you put something in front of it. Well, a lot of times somebody has that with a safe, right? And they, they, they cut a little hole in the wall and they put a little safe in there. And then what do they do? Say it louder. They hide it. They usually put a picture over top of it, right? So they hide it because they don't want anybody to know it's there. When in in uh, the hiding place, and uh, Corey Ten Boom's sister, my mind's blanking. Betsy, right? The Nazis come. They're looking for the Jews, right? And so she's got these Jews in her house. I mean, and she can't tell a lie. And so they, where are the Jews? And she says, what? Anybody remember? They're under the table. And they look at her like she's nuts. But where were they? Under the table. Because that's where the trap door was. But they then put a rug over the trap door, and then the table sat on the rug. And so literally, she told them the truth, and she said, they're under the table. And they looked at her and thought she was nuts. But literally... Those Jews were what? Valuable. And so they were hidden. They were treasured. Get it? So if we do that with God's word, right? And so if we incline our ear toward them, right? And apply our heart to understanding. If you cry out for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as for silver and what? Search for her as hidden treasure. Okay? And so we talked about the, that searching part that if, again, I found the map and it happened to be of your property, okay? I was down at the Columbia County or whatever county you live in, right? And they just happened to have this map that had been found from antiquity. And there is a little X spot there and somebody had buried um, a million dollars. Now, I shared that last week. And was, Abby, was it you that shared with me about the, yeah, so here, because I'm not going to remember all the details. So... You get to share. So, so tell us about the guy uh, who hid the stuff in Colorado. There's a, has anyone heard about this guy? He, uh, ten, ten years ago, he hid a treasure in the mountains of the Colorado Rockies. 
And he wrote in his memoir book, he's like um, a veteran and a war veteran and um, like acquired a bunch of wealth, obviously. So he wrote in his memoir and then had a 27-line poem that gave clues as to where he hid the treasure. Over, he's logged over 300,000 people had looked for it. Two people had died trying to find it. Made a lot of people mad, but he was still, they were all still pursuing it. It was found this year, in the spring of this year. Millions of dollars. There was um, diamonds, cuts of diamonds, chunks of gold. What else was in there? Like, I mean, artifacts, lots of, um, like rare, rare artifacts that were inside this this treasure, and so it was it was found this year. Cool. So, recent illustration. Okay. So, how important to you is the Word of God? Make sense. Three hundred thousand people spent a lot of money and a lot of time, and two lost their lives looking for what. What they thought was happiness. What they thought would bring them happiness. Stuff that doesn't go with you. Does that make sense? God says, if we would do this, if, these are the requisites, if you do this, then he makes us a promise. And do you see that he makes it twice there? Then you will understand. Then you will understand. And again, we discussed this. The fact that we look out there and we think that, a lot of times when we're looking at the, the world, we think, What's good? They just don't get it. Why don't they get it? You know what's really sad? Is when the church doesn't get it. When we don't get it. When we don't understand. And do you know the sad thing a lot of times when you don't understand? You don't know that you don't understand? You think you understand. And we'll get to that about the, those who are wise in their own eyes, in their own opinion. Because they think they're what? They think they're right. It's a sad thing when we always think we're always right. But one thing I know, that if I find it in God's word, then I know that it is true. And I can stand firm on it. And the promise is that when you get this, when you do these things, and you are pursuing the knowledge of God, the fear of the Lord then God will give you understanding. That's where we want to look today, then. We want to look at these promises, um, the, the results that are going to be given, and then the reason for it. So, the results, very clearly, then you will understand the fear of Yahweh and find the knowledge of God. Then you will understand righteousness, justice, equity, and I'm going to say righteousness, justice, and equity in every good, well-worn path, because that's where we're going with that, okay? That's really what it says in the Hebrew. So let's begin looking at it with the results. So the results, the first result, is then you will understand the fear of Yahweh and find the knowledge of God. And again, there is a, a relationship that is drawn between these two things. Okay, Jesus said in John 17, verse 3, that this is life eternal. He gives us a definition of eternal life. This is life eternal. That they may know you, gnosko, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Again, I've shared this times, but it's important here. There are two Greek words for to know. There is gnosko and oida, or edo, okay? So oida slash edo, whichever way you want to say it, okay, is factual knowledge, 
It's just um, you, you quote the, the, the various presidents of the United States. I was going to say how many, but I know I'll get it wrong. How many presidents are there? What did you say? 45? 45. Okay. So I'll go to Andrew because he's my, my, my historian, so he's got it. Okay. 45. Good job. I knew. I, I mean, I would have said 43 or whatever, you know. I don't know. Anyways, but that's, oh, that's factual knowledge. So you guys that are, that, that trivia thing going on, right? You got a lot of what? Oida. Okay? Gnosko is intimate knowledge. When I first saw Marcia, I didn't even oida her first, right? But then I, what? I oided her. I, I factually understood who she was. But I wanted to gnosko her. And now, over the past 30-something years, anyways, well, give me a moment. Let me calculate this so I don't get myself in trouble, right? 37 married years plus the one year before that, so 38 years, I've grown to gnosko her even more and more and more. And I'm sure that if the Lord gives us more years on the earth, I'll gnosko her better 10 years from now than I do now. This is life eternal, that they gnosko you, that they intimately know you, the only true God. Back to Proverbs. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge, the ath. The ath in, is, is with yada. Yada is to know intimately. So Adam, yada, Eve, and she bore a son. Does it make sense? Okay. So to know God really is contingent as well, is blended together with fearing God. We don't really fully know him until you fully, honestly, truly fear him. And the sad thing in our theologies of today with um, easy believism, and I'm not picking on that because I believe by grace, okay? So I, this is a fine balance here. Remember I talked about that fulcrum. It's like right on that ridge, Okay? And we've got to be very careful. Because I don't want, I'm not teaching, um, you know, uh, lordship salvation or yada, yada, yada. Okay? But there's this point where you're not going to fully know him until you know who he is and what he can do. And he can snuff you out, bam, like that. Just as he breathed the breath of life into you, he can take the breath of life right back out of you. That is his purview. You are just a piece of clay. We think we're special. We are, because we're made in the image and likeness of God. But that's because that's what he's done for us. Do you get it? It's not because I'm Bob, and God was so... Well, I mean, what, what, God was so blessed when, when I came to him. We laugh, but think about it. Sometimes we act that way, don't we? Like, like God is... Like, this is a good thing for God that he got me. No, you don't understand. I'm just a piece of clay. He is the potter. He has the right to chip me away. He has the right to form me into whatever. Once I begin to understand the fullness of who he is, so I appreciate your testimony, Chris. If God chooses to allow me to have a bum knee that, that hurts the rest of my life, still I, may, uh, still I will glorify him. Because that's his purview. 
That's his right. That's who he is. And when we begin to understand that, we begin to see him more and more and more and to understand who he is. And then I start to understand that he's, you know what? He's not just this sovereign, distant God. He's actually a loving, intimate father who wants to have a relationship with me. My grandma grew up in a, a Catholic orphanage, and I'm not slamming Catholics, Catholicism, but she was made to memorize the scripture, which is a good thing, but it was jammed down her throat, and she became very um, opposed to God. And uh, she used every name in the book against him. And we would have, after Marsha and I had gotten saved, we had some really good conversations with my grandma, Grandma Bowles. Last name Timbolis, but, you know, Grandma Bowles was just a, a lovely person. She just wasn't saved. And, um, and so... She would say to me, Robert. She's the only one to ever call me Robert. If anybody else called me Robert, I was in trouble. My grandma called me Robert. It was a loving thing, you know. Robert, you don't mean to tell me you believe all those myths. Yes, grandma. Because they're not myths. And then she would use all these choice words for God and, um, and call him Hitler. And, um, and, and, and I said, well, you know, grandma, from your perspective, you're probably right. All I can tell you is that when you come to know him, he isn't what you think he is. He is God, and it is his right and purview to be worshipped and glorified. That's not um, uh, arrogant pride that we see in men. It's what we want to do once we come to know him. She got saved two weeks before she died. And I got to see her the night that she died. Um, and I got to ask her, Grandma? Because she was waiting for me. But I just couldn't get there. So finally, another, the Lord brought another preacher in and got, she was saved. And, um, and so I got to see her and said, Grandma, what do you think of Jesus now? And she just beamed. She said, it took me long enough to get to know my Savior. You got to come to this part where you understand who God is. And you're willing to fear him. And that will open the door to really knowing him. So I go back to that, how many line poem? Ten line? 27 line? I, I, I don't know. I didn't read it. Okay, so however many lines. I can imagine a lot of the people sitting there pondering, 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 thinking that there is a what? There's a key. Have you ever done Sudokos? Sudokus. Okay, and so I, I got all, all the way to the five stars and beyond, and I just, you know, I, I pull in the apps and I do them on it. I forget it's done. It's a math thing. I love it, right? But there's a, there is a key. There is a certain spot that you've got to sit and you've got to find the key. Once the, you find the key to that Sudoku, right, then everything else just goes right on through, okay? The key. This is the key. Do you get it? You've got to come to the part. I know it's like a dead horse right now, but I'm really trying to overemphasize this thing because it's that important. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of knowing him. Okay? Then you understand the fear of Yahweh and find the knowledge of God. Then you will understand righteousness, justice, equity, and every good path. First of all, we have the traits, right? we got righteousness, which we've talked about. Um, we've talked to each one of these a little bit in previous messages. So righteousness is the word tzedek. And literally, then, it is what is morally right, correct, or proper. 
dot, 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 fill in the rest of it. It is what is morally right, correct, or proper? According to God, from the perspective of God. That's exactly right. We are in a day today when everybody thinks they know what is what. Right. The sad thing is we're in the day when they call what is good evil, and what is evil they call good. And so their moral understanding is flipped. So the world looks out and they call things right that aren't right. Why? Because they don't have the understanding and the fear of God. Does it make sense? So once that happens, once that happens, then you will understand true righteousness. Because true righteousness is only going to come from the truth of God's word. So if you spend time just digging up God's word and eating it and feeding on it and, and, and feasting on it. Then you'll understand what righteousness really is. Secondly, then you'll understand what justice is. And you can see it's the word mishpat, but mishpat literally is me-shafat, okay? The word shafat is a judge, and me is then the prefix um, in the Hebrew, meaning with, with, so with a judge. So something that comes with a judge, so it's a judgment, if you would, so justice, again, justice should be, justice should be, right? Justice should be. I know I said that three times because we don't see it today. Justice should be something rendered by a what? A judge. The sad thing is that we have in our day today the same thing we read in the prophets that it came at the end of the days of Israel when the judges were hired for a bribe. <clears throat> that our judges have political leanings and they're not worried about what is true or, back to the top, go to number one, right? What is righteous? They're not looking for what is righteous. They have their own opinions of what is righteous. And so, therefore, their judgments then are skewed because their, their view of righteousness is skewed. Does that make sense? Okay? So, with judgment. So, we, though... We will understand, I say we, and I don't mean it's like this little church, okay? I'm talking about those who follow, seek after, pursue knowing God, okay? That the reality is if you spend time in God's Word and you're pouring over God's Word and having it in you and you're treasuring and it's hiding within you, then the Holy Spirit will continually bring it back to you so that you will understand what true righteousness is and you will understand then what true justice is. Thirdly, that you'll have equity, okay? And again, meshar is met yashar. And so yashar is the word that is translated as upright, okay? Which we'll see that again in just a few moments, okay? Um, but it's with then uprightness. It's something that's with uprightness. And so it's, in my mind, I'm picturing the scales, you know, of what? The scales of justice. You see all this plays together? You have righteousness, you have justice, a judgment, and then you have this equity, right? Because when the judge judges, he renders his judgment of justice according to righteousness, then there will be what? Equity. Do you get it? And so, what we're looking at today is that, you know, people are wanting to what? Put their false weights on the scale so that it will be tipped in their favor. People say, that's not fair. That's not fair. 
Do you know what would be really fair? Do you know what would be really equitable from the perspective of God? Work it back up. Equitable comes from a what? A righteous judgment, which comes from the righteousness of God. So therefore, what would truly be equitable apart from the blood of Jesus? All of, all of us are condemned, and we deserve to go to hell. That's what is equitable. But God came in, and he paid the price. There was a payment that had to be made, and God did that for us. He made the payment for us so that, in equity, the payment would be made, and we would be in his presence. How cool is that? So, again, why doesn't the world get it? Why doesn't the world understand? Because they don't understand the, the get-go. They, it's not, the requisites haven't been fulfilled. Does that make sense? So the track, literally, in every good path is in every, or and every good path, literally is in, in every well-worn path. And so I want to look at a couple of these real quick. Um, you don't need to go to 1 Samuel. Let's see. Do I have those up? Yeah, okay. It's used 16 times in the Old Testament, seven of those in Proverbs. Okay, next week we'll be doing the path. But in 1 Samuel 17, 20, um, and then 26, 5, and 7, we're not going to turn to those. You can turn to Psalm 23 if you want, That's a, or you may know that one as well. But in those 1 Samuel ones, literally it is the perimeter of the camp. So for you guys that have been in the military, okay, in a, have been in a situation where you you moved and you got into an area, the first thing, one of the first things you do in setting up the camp is to do what? Say again? You establish your perimeter. And then what, what do you do at your perimeter? Good, you have a patrol that goes out there, right? You've got people who are guarding it, right? And so what do they do? They, now, literally, they're not going to walk the entire thing. They, now they have just a little section, right? They go back and forth. But in a sense, in that perimeter, you have a well-worn path. It is the circuit at which somebody is going to walk. Psalm 23, verse 3, right? says what? Someone want to read that real loud? Psalm 23, 3. Okay, so get ahead of me. This is going to be an all play. Psalm 23, 3. Okay, he restores my soul, and then he what? He leads me in the paths of what? Of righteousness. Why, Chuck? Why, Chuck? Why does he lead me in the paths of righteousness? For his namesake. Again, it's not because of Bob, right? It's because of his own name, okay? But he's going to lead me in well-worn paths of Righteousness. Kind of plays right back into Proverbs here, doesn't it? I mean, it's all about understanding the, the righteousness of God, okay? And so, these well-worn paths, righteousness, judgment, equity, in every well-worn path, right? Psalm 140, verse 5. Who's got that? Okay? Okay, so say it again, roll out. Yeah, please. Okay, they spread a, a net by the track. It literally, it, so you're doing a numeric center, right? Yeah, so it's okay. New King James got it wrong too. 
Okay, so yours is closer, actually. So it's in the track. It's not just by the track, but because think about it. What's happening is someone is walking those well-worn paths of righteousness, right? And what's happening? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? And so the enemy is seeking to do what? Seek and destroy. I don't know who said that, but yeah, was that you, Larry? Yeah, that's exactly right. He's trying to trap me, okay? And so there is this, this battle that's going on. He's trying to, to trip me up, right? And so in the middle of the path, in the middle of the path, the well-worn path. If you're walking according to the well-worn path, do you think the enemy knows where you're going to be? Yeah. Do you get it? And so, so he's off fighting someplace else, right? No, of course not. You guys have been military. You get it. Where are you going to set up your ambush? Near a well-worn path, in a sense, because you know that's where the troops are going to, to go, right? So when we were in and we did our, our practices and our training, we'd be going along the well-worn path. We knew that somewhere along the line we were going to run into an ambush, and sure enough, there it was, right along the well-worn path, right? And so that's what our enemy seeks to do as well, Okay. So you can be sure that that's going to happen, okay? Isaiah 26, verse 7. Somebody have that? Go ahead, Brian. The way of the just is uprightness, most upright. Okay, so the way of the, the upright is, say it again. The way of the just is uprightness. The way of the just is uprightness, okay? And then the, the last part, you weigh the, the, you weigh the well-worn path of the just. So, we've got these well-worn paths. I mean, this is kind of cold. I mean, really, again, I showed you that there's only so many of these verses, right? So, you think about, so you got a perimeter. That's the what? That's your defensive, right? And then all of a sudden, your enemy's doing what? Seeking to trap you on it, right? Right? But in the end, God's going to do what? He's going to judge us based upon our well-worn path. I liken it to 1 John chapter 1, when we read about that God is light, in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, then we lie and we do not the truth. Yeah, do not the truth, okay? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, okay? But the point is that if we say we have fellowship with God, we know God, right? If we say that. And yet we are playing around off of the well-worn path of righteousness in which he leads us for his namesake, then clearly it's not true. And we've fallen into the deception. And in that day, when we stand before the throne of Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that we all will give an account for what we've done in the flesh. We're going to give an account according to our well-worn path. Does that make sense? He's going, to, he's going to look down and he's going to show us this is the way you've trodden. There's not going to be any denying it. That's the path I trod. That's where I went. I was searching after this rather than searching after this. What legacy am I leaving behind for those who are coming after me? Your kids are going to walk in your paths. Did you ever watch the, the mother duck and the ducklings? Where do the ducklings go? Right where she goes. In the path. 
And no matter where she goes, they're going there too. They're following right there behind, right? What legacy? What is the well-worn path that you're walking in? You'll understand when you really search after the truth of God's word, then you will understand. Then you will understand. It's a promise from God. You will understand what these things should be. Why? Get into the reason why. Why? Because Yahweh is our provider and our protector. Now, if you have the sermon note sheet from last week, you'll note that this outline has changed. Okay? Of course it changed. <laughs> I shouldn't even put my subpoints on last week because you knew it was not going to be the same. God has overwhelmed me over the years um, with various things. But one of the things is about him is that I can break him down. <laughs> this sounds awful. I'm going to break, put God in a box and break him down. In, two, in my mind, two things. He's my provider and he is my protector. He's everything. That's, that's everything to me. When Israel was going through the wilderness, who was Yahweh to them? He was their provider and their protector. Throughout my life, he has continually revealed to me that he is my provider and my protector. And we see that in this passage. Again, as I was meditating on it this week more and more, I thought, God, you're so cool. I mean, here it is. It's, it's here, and I'm missing it again, but it's right there. And so, first of all, he's our provider. What does he provide? He gives wisdom. The word to give is, again, the word Natan, or Nathan, Nathan. Okay? And that means that he is extending it to us. It's not something. It's not lachak. So it's not, it's not lachak. So remember the word lachak was the, the idea, uh, I, I give it, but Marsha, what? Takes it, okay? So there's two sides of that thing. Natan is not that. It's a gift. It's purely a gift. Think Christmas Day. Does it make sense? That underneath the Christmas tree is a, a present, and it's got your name on it. You did nothing to get it. It's a pure gift, okay? Well, God gives chokmah. He gives Wisdom. Second, oh, it's from his what? It's from his mouth. So where does it come? Where does the wisdom that God gives us come directly from his mouth? That reminds me of 2 Timothy 3, right? Verse 16 and 17, where all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Literally, inspiration of God is the Greek word theanoustos. Theanoustos, okay? Two words, theos, God, noustos, breathe. Or spirit, to be translated spirit, but breathe. God breathed. Just like in Genesis 1, where God breathed. He said, he spoke, and it became. And then he breathed into man, and man became a living being. Does it make sense? God breathed the word. Okay? So, he breathed wisdom and understanding. So, you can go back to last week and look at what we said about tabuna. But again, tabuna is the word for understanding. So, wisdom and understanding are the two spectrums of uh, moral teachings and then practical, tabuna, practical understandings and, and wisdom as well, okay? He lays up success. Lays up is our word, Safan again, to hide due to its value. So, he lays up, he hides success. Now, what does your version say? It doesn't say success. What does it say? He lays up what? Steve, what's it say in the New King James? Proverbs 2. Somebody. Sound wisdom. He lays up sound wisdom. What is the New American Standard? Sta- sound wisdom. 
Literally, though, this word means success. It means plans, enterprises, or by extension, success. Turn with me to the book of Job. Okay, we're going to look at some of these because, to me, this is a huge... Um, I'm, I'm making a statement that, like, totally um, is different. And so, again, when I find that I'm doing that, it's kind of one of those things where I go and I, again, make sure... Like, I feel like I'm in left field here because everybody else says something different. And I don't want this to sound like it's, you know, the health and wealth and all that kind of stuff, but Job 5, verse 12, speaking of Yahweh, he frustrates the devices of the crafty so that their hands cannot carry out their plans. Okay? So their plans. Go to um, chapter 6, verse 13. Is my help not within me? Is and is success driven from me? Okay? So again, try to put the words sound wisdom in there. It doesn't fit. Okay? You go to chapter 11, verse 16. Or verse 6, sorry. That he would show you the secrets of wisdom... For they would double your prudence. Know, therefore, that God exacts from you less than your iniquity deserves. Okay? And so we have the concept of your prudence, your success, potentially there. Okay? 12, 16. With him, with the Yahweh, are strength and prudence. The deceived and the deceiver are his. Okay? So again... Change the word prudence to either then um, success, uh, enterprises, plans, or um, sound wisdom, if, and see which one fits better there. Okay? Psalm 25. Beginning of verse 12. Who is the man that fears Yahweh? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of Yahweh is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward Yahweh, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Back in verse 13 is our word, in prosperity. Um, And so... The idea there is then success. And so this word that is here, that sound wisdom, literally is a word meaning success. Now, again, I'm not trying to say that the the name it, claim it, the health, wealth thing, but it's kind of like in the concept of, of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, for his delight is in the... Law of the Lord, and in his law doth he, what? Meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water, that his leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Okay? Again, I don't think that's necessarily talking about wealthiness from the perspective of man, materialism. Okay? But success in the eyes of God. God will lay up success for those who truly seek after him. What kind of success? Say again, Brian. His success. That's exactly right. That's a good answer. Okay, success according to his 
will. Now, will that success look like earthly success? Yes, potentially. It might. It might. God may put some people in certain positions, okay, that they attain there because of wisdom and understanding. Does that make sense? I had a friend years ago when I was in St. Louis for Desert Storm. He was a Sunday school teacher, and he was the reason why we went to that church was because of him. Now, I'm going to blow your socks off maybe a little bit here, maybe not, but he worked for Anheuser-Busch. And so and the, the first time I found that out, I, I, I tried to challenge him about, you know, working for Anheuser-Busch. And anyway, so he taught me. And, and asked me, why do we send missionaries to Africa? I said, well, because people there need to hear about it. And he says, well, all I can tell you is I'm a missionary in the bush. And he says, I turned them down three times. And finally, they kept coming back. And I finally said, Lord, if you want me to work there, then they're going to have to do something like what? Outlanders like this. And they came back in way, like way more than that. So he, I can tell you stories about Ricky, okay? But I'm going to leave just one. He was, had been being promoted and being promoted and being promoted. And, and finally, he was being promoted going to be promoted like over jumping and he had to go to the board and as a bitch board for this next one and when he went there and they had questions for him and he answered those and he said i but may i ask you all a question and they said sure he said i really firmly believe that jesus christ is my lord and savior and that he then um changes the way i think and do everything and so my leadership is a servant leadership style because that's what Jesus did. How is that going to affect me at the next level? And they said, that's exactly what we see. And that's what we want. Now, do you get what I'm saying? Is that the world sees the wisdom of God. They see how it makes, we're going to talk about the hands of the diligent make it rich, right? We're going to talk about the fact that if you follow after the wisdom of God, you're diligent in all these things. And the world wants that. They just don't want that morality stuff that goes with it. They want to, they want to be able to live how they want to live. But you can't. It's not, I mean, it's, you can't do both. And so they look at how people work and their work ethic, and they admire that, and they go, wow, that's phenomenal. But they like, but how does it happen? Well, you want to tell them about Jesus? Well, I don't want to hear about Jesus. So they don't want to hear about it. And yet they want what God has to give. So, Yahweh lays up success. Now, whether it's going to be in the earthly realm, or whether it's going to be purely in the spiritual realm, whether it's me with my neighbor, whether it's me with my, my, my kin, whether it's me with somebody else, and nobody ever sees it as well. Does it make sense? I mean, you guys know, there's various people that we're praying for, for their salvation, right? And, and I'm, I'm trusting that God's going to give us Success. Makes sense? Not because of us, but because I know that God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. It's because of his namesake that I want him to receive the glory that eventually that these individuals will come to know him. It's laid up then finally for the upright. Now note this then. This promise is laid up for the upright. Those who are walking in God's righteousness. He is our protector. He shields those who walk in integrity. The word for integrity is the word tum. It means completeness. And so you can look all these up. They're all there, okay? But what's interesting as well is the word um, for the sacrifices were supposed to be perfect is the word tamim, which is then the 
the, the derivation of tome, meaning that it is really tome. The im on the end of it brings like, like it's a plural, and so that it's really this, that it's their tomim. And so they are, the sacrifices were to be that. So that's, he is going to be a shield for those who walk in integrity. Years ago, um, when I was doing the, the, the home maintenance, home um, improvement business, I was painting. We started as home maintenance. That's where all the Lord started. I didn't start the business. God did. And, um, and so I had a real estate person want me to paint it inside of a house. It was a rental house. And, and I was painting. I said, did you want the you know, whole thing painted? Yeah, I want the whole thing painted, including the closet. Yeah, we need the closets painted. So I'm in there painting the closet. And so you know how you go into the closet, right? And then you turn around. Some of you heard the story before. But then you got the wall that's here. Whoever sees that wall? Whoever sees the trim? I'm, I'm painting trim now. Who's ever going to see the edge? I promise you, if you've got a new home, go in there and find out whether those walls are painted. They might be. That was a good painter, okay? I learned later that when I started going into houses, looking at houses, that's where the first place I'm going to go. I'm going to go in, I'm going to turn around, I'm going to look. Because if they skated there, because no one's ever going to look there, they're going to skate someplace else. God taught me in that closet, on that, that very moment, I still remember hearing his voice, in a sense, okay? That and I'm sitting there saying, who's ever going to see this wall? God said, I am. And I realized that the mark of the integrity of a painter is that spot. Or behind the toilet bowl. That's a rough one, Gerald. I mean, you, you, try to, you, you, try to, you get down there to the best. You, I, I have to commit that I probably left little rectangles like this because I haven't taken the, I'm not a plumber, you know. And so I haven't taken that bowl off. I, it's, I slide in there as far as I can get. But you're exactly right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wives, let your husband alone on that one. All right, anyways. Um, but for real, that's the mark of, of integrity for a painter in my brain. Does it make sense? You can apply that to any, any practical thing. That's wisdom and what? Tabuna. That was Tabuna at that moment. God was giving me Tabuna, that understanding. Does it make sense? I cried out. I said, who's going to see this? And God said, I am. Get it? All right. I'm painting the corners. I'm painting the edges. Okay? But that's completeness. That's, what, that's what, how it goes on. Okay? He guards the paths of the justs. John 16, verse 7 11. Let's turn there. Okay? This is the Holy Spirit. I thought I was going to read this one earlier, but I left it for here. Because I think it actually goes up with the earlier portion. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is John 16, beginning of verse 7. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he will, not take, that he will take of mine and declare it to you. 
And so that probably would have been better to go up there in the, he is the provider, um, or even the well-worn track. Um, but the fact is that he then does guard the paths of justice. Oh, yeah, that's why I put that there. That's right. He guards the paths of justice because we look at it and we think sometimes, well, if he's guarding the paths of justice, then why are what? Why is there injustice going on? Why is it going on as it is? Well, he's done what? He's brought the Holy Spirit into the world. And what was the Holy Spirit's job? Convict the world. Convict the world. It's Convict us as well. Make sense? But he convicts the world of righteousness, judgment, and sin. Does that make sense? I've got to believe. I've got to believe that somewhere along the line, these judges who are making unrighteous judgments have convictions, are getting convicted. And they will stand before God on it. Does that make sense? Because they've gone away turned away from it. He preserves, finally, the way of his saints. The word saints, there is the word kasid. Um, and so, been here a while, my favorite word in the entire Bible is what? Chesed. Chesed. The chesed of God. Okay? It is the faithful, loving kindness of God to the objects of his covenant. Chesed is the objects of chesed. Does it make sense? So, one who is chesed is the one who is the recipient of chesed. Now, alternately, as well, then one who is chesed is one who is then following and faithful to Yahweh, that they are seeking to be chesed. Does it make sense? Okay? But So it's kind of like that, that two-edged coin there. There is, I am chesed because God's chesed is upon me, and because his chesed is upon me, I desire to be chesed myself. And we'll see this later on, because it says in Proverbs, and who can find a faithful man? Who can find a chesed, a man of chesed? In other words, you can't. Even though it's my pursuit, even though it's my desire to, to, be, to have the chesed of God upon me, I know that I'm always going to, what, fall short of the glory of God. But it doesn't mean I stop the pursuit. A chesed is then the objects of God's Chesed. You can look at Psalm 37 later as well as we did. So what is your ultimate goal in life? What is your ultimate goal in life? Last week I asked, I talked about the bucket list. Everybody's got their bucket list. What's on your bucket list? Well, what's your ultimate goal in life? What is it that you are pursuing? What you have as your desire will form your priorities. It'll form your decisions. It'll actually help determine your bucket list, if you would. Do you find yourself struggling to understand what is right and wrong? Now, I don't mean that as rude. I hope it's true at times. Because sadly, if there's never a time when I'm struggling to understand right and wrong, that means that what? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, or I'm not thinking deep enough upon it. Make sense? I think that I... Know it all, okay? Now, there ought to be times then I can see things and it's just the Holy Spirit's bringing it and I understand. But there ought to be times when I'm still what? Going back to the Father saying, give me wisdom, give me understanding, help me to understand and to learn this. And I am pouring over God's word, seeking to understand it, okay? But if as a whole, if as a whole I'm looking out there and I'm just dumbfounded in the world, probably it comes back to a, the, the part that I'm not spending time in God's word. 
What legacy are you leaving for those who are watching and learning from you? What is your well-worn path that you're leaving behind, that you're walking in? Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you alone are God. There is no other God but you. You are sovereign over all things, including us. You're the potter, we're the clay. Lord, you have made us in your image and likeness. You have given us a a free will to be able to make decisions and to give you the glory that you rightly deserve. And yet, you reserve the right. It's yours to override any decision that we make. And I rejoice in you for that, Lord. Lord, we, we pray that you would override any decision that we're making that is not to your glory. Father, that you would put within us, I know it is, you, you, you who began the good work in us are continuing to perform it to the day of Christ. You've told us that. And it is you who, who puts it in us, both to will and to do of your good pleasure. So I, I, I'm going to ask this in confidence, Lord, that you would cause us to, to hunger and desire for you, for your kingdom, for your righteousness, for your wisdom, for your understanding, for your glory, for your love. Lord, that we would desire to be those who are walking in this world, revealing your truth, revealing your wisdom, revealing your understanding, pointing people to you as the way, the truth, and the life. God, be glorified in my life. Be glorified in the life of each of these individuals. Be glorified in this assembly, Lord. Help us to be an impact in this neighborhood. Lord, we desire to see those who live around us come to know you. For your glory, not ours. Lord, not that our numbers would pump and and it would be all about us. But God, that it would be about your kingdom. That you would receive the glory in Christ's name. Amen.